fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Don't write it as welcome into the program. It is a post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. I don't care what anyone says. We carpe diem all over this place, baby. We're all about taking advantage, having some fun, utilizing the day ahead of us as two Tuesdays are by far the most productive day of the entire week. I don't care what anyone else says. Welcome <laughs> welcome into the show. Great to have you along for the ride. What's up? Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the program. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show today lined up. Coming up on the bottom of the hour, we have Sarah Hart Weir. I've had her on my local program a few times before. She used to, she ran for a congressional seat a few years ago. She is from here in the state of Kansas. She is now the Kansas State Director for the U.S. Term Limits Organization, which you can find online, obviously, at termlimits.com. Pushing for term limits in Washington, D.C. Will it happen this year? As you know, one of the concessions that Kevin McCarthy uh, Kevin McCarthy made to become Speaker of the House was to allow that bill to go on to the House floor. It doesn't seem like it's going to go far, but we still have an opportunity to at least discuss it and let our elected officials know about it. So we'll talk with her about that coming up at the bottom of the hour along with some of the other current events going on uh, today. I am a little concerned, though, uh, so give me a just bear with me for a few minutes here. Put on your tinfoil hat and let's talk about some of the major issues. I am concerned with some of the news reporting coming out of the state of Ohio, obviously with the train derailment in Palestine, Ohio, and the Ohio River, where we see some major issues and kind of a controversy and contradiction on how the media is reporting what the heck's going on out there. For example, both of these headlines were from a day ago, and I'm trying to find the exact time. One of them does not have the time, but it was the 20th for both of these reports. Two separate reports. One of them. Cincinnati is again using Ohio River water after tests show no sign of East Palestine chemicals. That's headline number one. Headline number two. This is from, uh, by the way, that first one was from Cleveland.com. The city of Cincinnati is again using water from the Ohio River after tests show uh, from the EPA that there's no signs of chemicals in the water. Headline number two from WSWS.org. Cincinnati area water district shut off intake from Ohio River due to uh, contamination from East Palestine derailment. Those are from the exact same day. Not sure the timing on those, so one may be an update from the other, but from two different media sources, two completely different stories here. One saying, well, Cincinnati's using it again. The other one saying, well, they're not quite using it. According to the WSWS.org, only days after Ohio Governor Mike DeWine publicly cleared the water in East Palestine safe to drink, water authorities in Cincinnati, hundreds of miles away, announced that they would be shutting off the intake from the river, quote, out of an abundance of caution. Now, I came from Ohio, is where I originally grew up. 
Spent a lot of time there. Went to college at Bowling Green State University, just a few hours north of the area of Cincinnati. I've been to Cincinnati a couple of times as some of my college buddies were there. And they're heading up to college Republicans in the area. We went down there to help out some local campaigns throughout my reign in college there as well. It's a beautiful area, but it is huge in manufacturing. There is a lot of rural community around, a lot of farming around as well, a lot of rolling hills. It's a very, very beautiful area right there on the border of Kentucky. Uh, my first, which I have to say, this is nothing against Kentucky people because I love Kentucky. It was such a beautiful area. I almost really, really wanted to move there. I left the first time I ever went to Kentucky. Personal story. We went down there for, again, helping out a campaign with the college Republicans to do some phone banking, knock on some doors, do some stuff with the college Republicans. We get just over the Kentucky border, stop at a gas station. And I chuckled to myself because there was a guy that was at the gas station sitting out talking to somebody else in another vehicle. And I swore I almost went up to him to ask him for his autograph because he had his camo hat on. He had his cutoff um, flannel button up T-shirt on and had the pot belly. He spoke from hearing him from just a short distance away and looked to a T like Larry the Cable Guy. And I said, we're in Kentucky, and I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. So it's a beautiful area. It's a very country, very rural, except for obviously the large city of Cincinnati, which I have traveled through once in my life, uh, taking water from the Ohio River that was impacted from the chemical derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, with the chemical spill and the train. Kind of a big issue. Now, the EPA has apparently cleared it after the one EPA agent or the few or whoever they sent out to the area to do the testing, talk to individuals after saying that the pets have been dying or getting sick, that individuals have been getting sick, the headaches and the illnesses and the flu or the stomach aches or the blindness or whatever else is going on in the area or the potential drinking water as well. Two separate headlines from the exact same day. They're good. They start taking water from the Ohio River. The other one saying, well, they're cleared to do so, but they've shut it off due to the abundance of caution in the area. Uh, With the story continuing, the Water Authority in North Kentucky that serves Campbell and Kenton counties and portions of Boone, Grant, and Pendleton are following Cincinnati's lead as well. This is as of yesterday on the 20th for both of these headlines. Kind of concerning, isn't it? Now, the lack of coverage from the mainstream media nationally, the lack of concern from the Biden administration and especially from the Environmental Protection Agency or the Department of Transportation with Pete Buttigieg, who just tried to blow it off and say, well, there's close to a thousand train derailments every single year, which, if it's true, is not the best record to be had. So maybe as the head of the Transportation Department, we should be doing something about that because you would think a thousand train derailments a year would be a little excessive. Five, ten. All right, cool. A thousand. We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem especially ones that carry insane products like, you know, chemicals that could go into the air or into our water supply. There's a video. I don't know if you've seen I'm sure many individuals have seen this from newly elected U.S. Senator J.D. Vance in Ohio. And I'm getting to a point here because I'm sure you've heard a lot of this stuff already. So bear with me because there's a larger concern that no one, I believe, is actually talking about here. J.D. Vance made a video of him out there in the river and some of the little cricks and showing how bad this is. And while the EPA has cleared the water to be used again, he walks out there with a stick, runs it into the crick. And yes, it is called a crick in Ohio is how I grew up in Ohio to pronounce that. Not a creek, but it is a crick. C-R-I-K. It is a crick. And you walk out there and he ran this twig, this branch in the water along the bottom of it. 
and it looked like a rainbow of colors that were coming up into the water, showing that there was some type of chemical still in the water, or at least in the rock bed within the water that settled in there. And again, this is the time where the EPA, the federal government, all the quote-unquote health officials have cleared them to start consuming the water. So what is this going to do? Because obviously the health department, and you can see the efficiency of the government, if it's good enough for government work, then obviously we don't have to work. <laughs> I almost said that without uh, without cracking up. If it's good enough for government work, then it's good enough for all of us, right? If the government's cleared it, what is this going to do in the long term with these chemicals still sitting there and us not doing a whole lot about this issue, even after some of the locals and waste management experts in the area saying that we've essentially nuked an entire small town and the surrounding areas when it comes to wildlife who drink from these creeks or riverbeds. What about nature in general? All the, you know, all the uh, tree-hugging hippies that go out there for the environmental purposes uh, talking about how bad that uh, drilling for oil is. Here in Kansas, we just had the first major oil spill uh, from the Keystone Pipeline that went through up in northern uh, Kansas, up near the Nebraska border. We spilled 14,000 barrels of the oil. Now, 95% of that's recovered. But it went into, again, a waterbed. They blocked it off. They stopped using it. They've cleaned most of it up, and now that one's cleared to go. And it looks relatively good, but there's still just that little layer of garbage that's on there. What's this going to do to nature, to the animals that drink out of this creek? Let's take it a step further. What is this going to do to the local farmers? We already have supply chain issues or a shortage of eggs because of the avian flu and the millions of chickens that we've had to kill throughout the country. We already have a high price for meat because of the uh, cattle that we've had to sell off more so than what we usually do because of drought conditions all over the country. So more farmers selling off their cattle instead of holding on to them because they can't water them or properly feed them. So we're going to see a meat shortage over the next couple of years as well. Now we have local farmers in that area that are going to have a water source from the local rivers and creeks. My wife gets mad every time I say that. It's creek. No, it's not. It's a creek. Uh, <laughs> so I have to say it a couple extra times. Uh, but all the local farmers that use that as well for their irrigation in the area. Or for their animals, where those chemicals are going to go inside of them. Let's take it to the next step. Where Cincinnati, apparently we don't know whether Cincinnati is going to be using the water or not be using the water. Not only are the residents in the city of Cincinnati that are hundreds of miles away, but are still using that water and obviously the water coming down into that area. What is that going to do to them? Let's take it a step further. What do we use the water for in Cincinnati outside of just the residential use in your homes and your apartments and that sort of thing? Cincinnati is huge on uh, manufacturing. And I mean manufacturing is in things that we use on a daily basis and consume on a daily basis, which I think is a major concern for us as well. Uh, here in the next week or two, I would be cautious on consuming certain products just to throw it out there. There are, I made a list. I was looking through some of the biggest manufacturing plants there in the Cincinnati area. There are 14 of them, at least that I saw right off the bat, that were major concerns that maybe we should question on these products on whether they're going to be safe to consume soon. I mean, after the chemicals are in the water and we use the water for those manufacturing plants, including PepsiCo, you know, your Pepsi products. Obviously, they have to use water. Where do they get the water? They get the water from the same source that the city does, which is through the river that could potentially be contaminated with some of these chemicals. How about Procter Gamble? Procter & Gamble, which is a larger company that has all the small ones underneath it, but Charmin, Febreze, Head & Shoulders, Oral-B, Tide, 
all of these things that we use on our skins, on our bodies, or use, you know, as we wash ourselves or consume in some way, shape, or form, that's going to be, again, using the water while making their products. How about L'Oreal? Facial beauty. How many people, show of hands, how many people do you think we're going to start seeing, like, third eyes pop out on their cheek because of all of the tumors that are going to be growing on us after the chemicals are spilled on there? Oh, yeah, Coca-Cola. Not just your Pepsi products, but Coca-Cola has one of their major manufacturing plants in Cincinnati, Ohio, as well. Kraft Heinz. Kraft mac and cheese. Heinz ketchup. Mm. Pretty sure they use water in some way, shape, or form in order to make their packaged products. Um, give give a Don. I don't even know what that is, but apparently it's fragrance, beauty, along with taste and well-being, according to their website. The Kellogg Company. Cereals, cookies, crackers, snacks that we use on a daily basis. Here's an interesting one that goes a step further. Archer Archer Daniels Midlands, the largest agricultural processor in the entire world, taking the grains from across the country and processing them into foods. Archer Daniels Midlands, I'm assuming, uses water for that process from right in the Ohio River in Cincinnati, Ohio. General Mills, cereals, Pillsbury, Betty Crocker. This one makes me sad. Old El Paso. Old El Paso hot sauce with a taco seasoning mix. Makes me a little sad. General Mills. Oh, I'm just used General Mills. Uh, Hollister and Company with clothes and Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, we've already had cases of individuals that have a, an allergic reaction to some of the clothes that you wear because of the chemicals in there. It could only get worse. Oh, I have more. We'll continue this when we come back here on The Voice Reason for a Tuesday. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the program, we love you to death. Appreciate you very much. I'm not saying to be paranoid. I'm just saying that I probably won't be drinking some of those or consuming some of those products for the next few months to make sure that, you know, people don't start growing weird tumors on the top of their heads or something. Just throwing it out there. I'm sure they have their, obviously, their standards on how to protect themselves. But at the same time... The EPA's cleared it. The government's cleared it. So they could potentially start using these again. And if we're seeing things in the water that they're not looking at, we have a deeper issue here. Whether it's malicious and conscious or unconscious and we don't even know about it, there's a concern there. And with all of these major companies, including, again, PepsiCo, I mean, uh, Coca-Cola, L'Oreal, Kraft & Heinz, Kellogg Company, Archer Daniels Midlands, one of the biggest grain processors in the entire world, turning grains into food, General Mills, Avon, Tyson Chicken Foods, Tyson Foods Company with a processing plant there, uh, Molson Coors Beverages, and so many more that are in the Cincinnati area that take water from the Ohio River and that Ohio River that feeds from that East Palestine area where the chemical spill happened, where the, apparently the government's clear that everything's all good and hunky-dory. Is that a concern for you, or do you trust them and everything's fine and we don't have to worry about it? I mean, if you do, then cool. That's all the power to you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to second guess it. You to, everybody said the government won't let anything like that happen to us as we drift off into the abyss, pondering that one forever. Or, like me, 
I'm just going to be a little skeptical of some of these products, especially with all the products that are made there and distributed all over the country. Uh, Is this the beginning of maybe a reset in the way we do our consumeristic products in this country to where we've had hit after hit after hit, one after another after another for the last couple of years, starting with the COVID-19 pandemic. Then do you remember all of the processing plants for food that all of a sudden caught fire or airplanes all of a sudden ran into them and destroyed them? And we had those supply chain issues where food started going up. Then we had the largest avian influenza pandemic and outbreak in years, even bigger than the 2015 avian influenza, where we've killed, I think I saw the report, what was it, yesterday? Like 20 million chickens across the nation that we've had to kill, which is why chicken prices are up, then egg prices are up. Then we have the drought that's pretty much from Kansas west all the way out to California where cattle markets have been disastrous with cattle farmers letting go of their cattle instead of using them to reproduce for the next year and keeping some of those. They've had to turn them into the slaughter, losing their supply in in chain of the amount of cattle that they hold on to. So meat prices are good, decent now, but they're going to go up soon when we have a shortage and then next year we don't have as many cattle actually on the market. That's an issue. Then we have this thing where we have the chemicals going into the potential water that could disrupt the supply chains for Pepsi and Coke and Kraft macaroni and cheese and Heinz ketchup or whatever else comes out from Kraft or Heinz, all the Kellogg products, all the General Mills products, all the Tyson food products that come out. We can have a serious problem here. And you know who's going to go out there? Who's going to solve the issue? (laughs) You know who it's going to be? It's going to be Aaron Brockovich. Remember, Remember her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, according to uh, Fox 10 out of Phoenix, Arizona, Erin Brockovich is set to make her appearance at East Palestine after the tri- uh, toxic train derailment. She's going to go and do her investigation. If you don't remember Erin Brockovich, she was the one that they made the movie called Erin Brockovich out of with, uh, what was her face? Who, who the heck was that? Julie Roberts. Julia Roberts made the movie about her where everybody was sick because of the water. The government wasn't wasn't uh, doing anything about it, and she broke that case and became a millionaire. And then she kind of squandered it because she was wasteful and didn't really do things appropriately. So she's out looking for her next big break. This is her next big break, baby. Julia Roberts, get ready. Get ready for an Aaron Brockovich 2.0 revisited movie to where we can do that because she's going to bust the lid right off of this one with all the chemicals being spilled into the water, people getting sick. Pets are dying, wildlife and animals are dying, and then it's going into our manufacturing and production. I'm going to sit this one out for a few months and make sure people start, start don't grow into like weird third eyes or tumors off the back of their heads before I start consuming my Pepsi or Coca-Cola again. Just throwing it out there. Sarah Hartwear, she'll be joining us right after the bottom here on a Tuesday for The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today for a post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. That's what I like to say. I don't care what anybody else says. We are carpe diemism all over the place. If you know what I mean. Welcome back in. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one 
radio listener at a time on multiple radio stations all over the place. Hey, real quickly, I want to remind you that, as you know, we have streaming. We we do our video stream outside of the multiple radio stations we're on. We also do uh, video streaming on OpsLens. There are great partners that stream us out all over the interweb on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch.tv and the Tweety and every uh, Getter. Getter's a big one now. If you can't get it somewhere else, get the Getter, download the app, and you can find it on there as well, OPSLENS.com. Also on their website and their app that they have as well. And check them out. They have a new feature, which is absolutely awesome. And if you want to sign up, now you can. You get a seven-day free trial and use our promo code here with the Voice of Reason. But if you go to OpsLens.com, you can find the worldview. Now, if you want to know about news, non-biased, non-one side or the other, and not just news here in the country, but all over the world with blogs and journals and news reports and TV reports and uh, articles from all over the world, from not one side or the other. It's just based on whatever your interests are. You can now get that at OpsLens.com. Go to OpsLens.com, find the world view, sign up, and use the promo code VOR10%. You get 10% off on that. VOR for voice of reason, VOR10%, and you get the 10% off there. You get to sign up, and you can be at the touch of your finger, have worldwide news. I mean, obviously, stuff that's going on. This train derailment is a perfect example of that. Here in the mainstream media, nationally for us, like, oh, don't worry, Pete Buttigieg said a thousand trains derail a year, and they just kind of blow it off. Other nations are calling it our Chernobyl with how bad this is. With the mushroom cloud that went up in Ohio, with the water that's contaminated going into the Ohio River, and all of the distribution plants that we just talked about coming out of Cincinnati that are using this water that's been cleared by the EPA and the city government for them to use. Other countries are saying it's the U.S.'s Chernobyl. We're saying it's not a big deal. Just don't worry about it. These aren't the droids you're looking for. So go check it out, opslens.com. Find the worldview. Type in the promo code VOR10%. You get your 10% off and tell them that you listened right here on The Voice of Reason. All right, I want to get into Shift Gears a little bit, get into our next What's Trending of the Day. What's Trending Today. And really happy to have this guest back on the program. Now, for our national uh, listeners, this is a brand new guest for you. For those that have listened to our local program for years, uh, this is a not-so-new guest. We've had her on a few times when she ran for a congressional district here in the state of Kansas. Now, she's still in Kansas, but she's now the state director for the U.S. Term Limits organization, which you can find at termlimits.com. Really happy to have on the program with us here, Sarah Hart-Weir. Sarah, how are you today? Hi, good afternoon, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be back on the show talking about a a slightly different topic, but certainly probably the most important topic we should be talking about as a country. I agree. This is a massively important one. Now, I love the fact that I'm still skeptical on whether it's going to happen or not, but I love the fact that while we were debating and holding and reining in Kevin McCarthy during that whole speakership vote from last month, which everybody lost their minds about. I loved it. I loved the process. I loved conservatives holding him accountable and holding his feet to the fire. One of the concessions that he had to make for the conservatives to get on board with him was for him to allow a U.S. term limits bill to go onto the floor for debate and discussion. That's a great first step because I don't know if that's ever happened. Where are we at with this conversation? Well, we're, we're certainly pushing here here in Kansas with our legislature and what we can do um, nationally with, with our federal delegation. Um, it's certainly um, a much overdue conversation that needs to happen and something that we as the voters and taxpayers should have a say in. Um, we should be holding our elected officials uh, responsible for their own progress for reports 
not just um, at the ballot box, but I think, you know, we need to ensure that we have a next, a new generation of leaders that are going to step up um, and um, push for new um, and innovative leadership. Yeah. Yeah, it's desperately needed. We have right now, I mean, Nancy Pelosi for the first time has stepped down from leadership in the Democrat Party. And how long has she been there? I mean, how many ideas, honestly, can you uh, have on creative ways to help move the country further as opposed to looking for your own personal agenda? We have Joe Biden that's been in the Senate since the 1970s. We have Chuck Schumer. We had Harry Reid, who finally just left a few years ago. We have so many of them that are lifelong politicians. And it's time for the fresh voice. And I don't want that voice, by the way, to be the AOC's. Uh, being the only radical left-wingers to get in there and represent the new generation. It's, it's so true. When um, I was campaigning for Congress in Kansas' third district in, in 2019 and 2020, you know, I often said um, during my during my speeches and my door-to-door that uh, Joe Biden was, was running for president even before I was born. So mm. we do need a new generation of, of leaders to step up lead differently and bring their own talents and skills um, into Washington and the state capitals all across the country. Yeah. Amen to that. The ongoing discussion of the term limits bill, which would be amazing. How far does it need to go? Is it just the elected officials? Do you think it also needs to cover a lot of the administrators in the fourth branch of government with the all the agencies and the departments and everybody that continues to run everything behind the scenes? Do they need to be part of this as well? I mean, I think we need a holistic approach to um, to a new generation of leaders. I think that's certainly one step in the right direction, but I think we have to, um, you know, what is the expression, Andy, walk before we run here? And I think that starts with the United States Congress. Yeah, amen to that. If this would pass, which first off, let's, let's talk about the probability. I mean, obviously they're debating it on the House floor. We have the Republican majority in the House. Is there an opportunity for this to at least get through the House of Representatives? I'm hopeful. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. And, you know, Andy, as you know, I've spent time in Washington and I've led on bipartisan issues on behalf of people with disabilities, their families and caregivers. That's that's my passion. That's what um, really made me um, raise my hand and put my name on the ballot in, in 2020. So I'm hopeful this should be a, a bipartisan issue. I think it's common sense. And if you look at where our country is, um, as a whole, the overwhelming amount of the American public supports term limits for our elected officials. In fact, you know, we have some recent data as of um, January of 2022 shows that 83% of Kansas voters support term limits. Wow. That is amazing. I, that was going to be my next question is how popular is this, not just in Kansas, but nationwide? I'm assuming, and from what I've seen as well, that it's an overwhelmingly popular idea from both sides of the aisle. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, our our recent numbers that we're tracking in terms of members of Congress that support term limits is about 130 members. Um, that's record breaking. That's the most ever. Obviously, we need to get that number up to 218 as somebody who's um, passed federal tax legislation on behalf of people with disabilities. Um, people probably got sick of me talking about our work on, on the ABLE Act, which created tax-free savings accounts for people with disabilities. Um we had over 381 um, members of the House. We had Jim Jordan to Bernie Sanders um, support that effort. I'd like to see us get there um, on um, the, the push for term limits. I think we certainly can. Um, but if anything shows us where voters are at, not just here in Kansas, but across the country, let's you know turn to um, 
the recent J.D. Vance um, Senate win in Ohio, um, I think, you know, he campaigned strong yeah. on the need for term limits. And certainly that was a was a critical uh, victory. I am loving some of the big uh, younger races for Republicans all across the board. As you mentioned with J.D. Vance, I know it was not in the general election, but the special election down in Texas with Myra Flores down near the border as well, along with some of the others across the nation. It's it's wonderful to see. I think the problem has been without a actual term limit to boot everybody out forcibly, Republicans have been all about this, I think, more so than Democrats, to where every few years we get frustrated with our elected officials and Republicans. We end up kind of reinventing the wheel and getting new people in there. While the Democrats don't, and they continue to vote for people who have been in there for years and years and years, and Republicans do it to a degree as well, but it almost seems like on the conservative front, we've almost hurt ourselves by reinventing that wheel when the other side's not, and we're kind of always starting back at the starting point when they're moving ahead, and it's kind of hindered us a little bit, hasn't it? You know, I I think it has. We certainly have been out in front on this issue. It was certainly one of the pillars of my platform in 2020 when we got second in that very um, crowded five-way primary in Kansas's third district. You know, I think it comes down to accountability. And um, one of the things that I've really appreciated that's been been coming out of Washington over the last couple of weeks and um, the showdown for um, the, the speaker vote with Kevin McCarthy was also just holding ourselves accountable on the federal budget. Um, you know, c- kind of going back to basics here on how we must cut in order to either expand spending or reel it in. I mean, what we've seen in terms of the amount of resources and funding that's coming out of Washington is completely outrageous in the last several years. Yeah, that is very true. We're talking with Sarah Hart Weir. She's the Kansas State Director for the U.S. Term Limits, which you can find online at termlimits.com. we got just about a minute before a break. Sarah, can you stick over one more segment with us as well? Absolutely. Awesome. I want to continue this conversation because you just mentioned the budget and some of the stuff that's going on. I don't think, and just real quickly before we go to the break here, I don't think that we would be in the situation we're in dealing with a debt ceiling cap in January and February, nine months before our federal budget actually ends, if this wasn't an issue and we would have new people in there looking at this stuff, scratching their heads, saying, what the heck did these people do before us? Would you agree? Absolutely agree. I, you know, we've got to get some new leadership in there. We got to have some new perspective. You know, a lot of the way our country has modernized and enabled technology, um, with the way the social media craze, everything, all of these debates and all these conversations that we're having, um, a lot of these inventions and a lot of these technologies were invented at a time when, you know, I'll just call out Senator Chuck Grassley, who I think will finish out his term um, in the Senate there in Iowa, well into his 90s, um, have no perspective or no experience on. We've got to do away with career politicians and come back to how our founding fathers foresaw, you know, the fundamentals of our country. Yeah, we need that fresh blood. It's Sarah Hart. We're with the U.S. Term Limits. We'll continue this conversation when we come back right around the corner here on a Tuesday for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we're all about here on this program. we got a few minutes left to wrap it up the program for a post-Monday celebration here on The Voice of Reason. Always great to have you along for the ride today. Term limits in the United States. Wouldn't it be nice 
Wouldn't it be nice? Let's say, for example, two terms for senators, three terms for House members. And oh, by the way, we need to add in there as well in a clause that you can't just bounce back and forth between the two and just stay in office forever. That's a, you're, once you're done, you did your public service, you're good. You can't be at that level any longer. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Just the fresh blood. Now, they say that that would cause chaos and anarchy in Washington, D.C., because no one would be able to learn the ropes and understand how the process works. Good! We don't need an establishment government bureaucracy that just runs like in a well-oiled machine, or in Joe Biden's case, a non-oiled machine, because everything's a disaster. See what see what we did there? See? <laughs> right now, we're hanging out with Sarah Hart Weir. She is the Kansas State Director for the U.S. Term Limits. You can find online at termlimits.com. Sarah, there's another organization at Well that, that pushes for term limits as well with the Convention of States, where they look at capping the budget, balancing the budget, doing the term limits. Do you support that movement as well? And does the term limits movement partner with the Convention of States to try and promote this idea? Well, obviously, there's certainly overlap as it relates to the push for, for term limits. There are kind of two separate separate efforts. I think where we overlap the most is, is on the commitment to um, seeing term limits in, in our time. So certainly, and I think, Andy, you pointed out, you know, the call for at least, you know, a minimum, I should, or a maximum, I should say, of three House terms of, of six years and two term limits for, for in the Senate for 12 years. And, you know, I love what you pointed out, too. Let's cl- close that loophole so you can't bounce back and forth between the two um, and, and add those up to, to 18 years because we certainly have to come back to our citizens legislature yeah uh there is true it is it is dire for us to see something like this because i mean congress always gets the lowest approval rating we always look at the approval rating for the presidency where it's right now according to one poll it shows biden's at 45 percent. not quite sure how he gets that because he doesn't remember his name half the time anyways but he's sitting at 45 percent approval across the nation supreme court doesn't get a whole lot of approval unless a really big case is happening like the uh roe v wade that happened last year is when we saw kind of their big popularity or lack thereof depending on whatever side you're on but congress always floats in like the high 20s or low 30 percent in approval ratings when they're like the most represented for the people they're the ones that are boots on the ground they represent a certain district of the population across the states and across the country where they're from they should have one of the higher approval ratings because you would think people would be happy with who they're putting into office and sending to washington dc you're 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 absolutely right andy i think you know in I spent some time in Washington. I did it for you know, essentially a white hat organization leading. Um, I was the CEO of the National Down Syndrome Society before I stepped down to run for Congress in, in 2019 and 2020. You know, I think what you see is, and it just verifies and stresses the need for, for term limits, is just how we can limit the power of lobbyists, bureaucrats, and other career politician and politicians, and it just perpetuates, you know, more institution, uh, dynasty, political families that continue to, um, you know, rule this country and um, rule it all all different levels. Yeah, we don't need another Clinton. We don't need another Bush. We don't need another uh, Kennedy. We don't need another one of the same old, same old going down the line here. We got just about a minute left here or so, uh, Sarah, but uh, what's the next step for the term limits bill? What's the next step where we can get involved and how do we move forward with this issue? Great question. So I'll give you two kind of calls to action here, Andy. Um, February 27th is actually National Term Limits Day. So it's a great day. Um, Any day is a great day to um, make your voice heard and advocate. 
um, go to our website, termlimits.com. Um, you can quickly find out if your um, congressperson or congresswoman or congressman and two senators um, support the term limits pledge. If they don't, contact their office um, immediately and, and make your voice heard that way. If you're listening in here in the great state of Kansas, the Sunflower State, um, we actually have a resolution moving um, throughout our legislature this week. Um, it already passed um, the call for, for term limits, congressional term limits, already passed out of the Kansas House I love it. on Federal State Affairs Committee. Um, it uh, passed by 13 to 9. Uh, Representative, State Representative Bill Sutton actually spearheaded that and championed that for us. So certainly we would like for the full house here in Kansas to take it up because um, the more states that we have acting, um, I think the more pressure um, our lawmakers in Washington will have to um, see, see this through. So what it's about, it's a great battle, and I'm excited to see it hopefully move forward both at the state levels all over the country and at the national level as well. Sarah, it's so great to talk to you again, my friend. Keep up the fight. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You as well. Always appreciate it. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. We're back at it again tomorrow for a Wednesday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. We'll see you on the radio.